Welcome to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your Tuesday. It's June 29th, and that means we are officially one month away from the 2021 NBA Draft. We covered a little bit of information from this past weekend and yesterday's show. We're going to have plenty of coverage for you once we're done with this player review series throughout most of July when it comes to the NBA Draft. Special guests, player profiles, updating you on the latest information that connects the Grizzlies to certain players. Just a lot of different things to cover, so I'm really looking forward to a fun month of content when it comes to the NBA draft. But of course, to have a better idea of what the Grizzlies need to focus on in the draft, it's best to gain as much information as possible about what they have working with when it comes to their roster, and that's what we've been doing in this player review series. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about the two-guard position. We talked about Desmond Bain yesterday. We're going to talk about the other two members of the trio that went back and forth in different roles when it came to the two-guard position next to John Morant, Grayson Allen and DeAnthony Melton. In the first segment, we'll discuss Grayson Allen. The second segment, we'll discuss DeAnthony Melton. And then the third segment, we'll really look at what roles these player, both these players have when it comes to their futures in Memphis. Of course, you can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself, at StatsSAC. My name's Sean Coleman. I'm a credentialed media member of the Grizzlies. Been covering the Grizzlies for three years over at Grizzly Bear Blues. Have been with Locked on Grizzlies now for 15 months. This is the one place where you can get the latest Grizzlies news, perspective, insight, and honest truth. Everything Grizzlies, your Grizzlies every day here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. I also want to remind you that our episode today is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. So obviously, there's it was a rotating door all season long when it came to the Grizzlies two-guard position. And it's not just about the debate of who should start with Ja, Dylan, Kyle, and Jonas. It was also who should get the minutes in the most crucial times, especially in the fourth quarter. Well, in a surprising move to start off the year, due to injuries and due to Jaron not being in the lineup, we knew that Ja, Dylan, Kyle, and Jonas would be the starters, but Coach Jenkins went with Grayson Allen as the starter next to John. The idea was to get a shooter in the lineup to replace Jaron's shooting, but also to add a balance to what was going on in the paint between John Jonas, the self-creation of Dylan, and the facilitation of Kyle. Well, that person was Grayson Allen, who we saw emerge in the bubble. He was the biggest positive surprise of the bubble, one of the best bench players in the bubble, because of the difference-making ability that he had when shooting the three. And that's the thing. Many speculated and had the right to speculate whether or not Grayson Allen was the right move to start next to Ja, Dylan, Kyle, and Jonas. But, though it, as time went on, DeAnthony Melton was the be- was making the bigger impact when he was on the court. Desmond Bain was the better shooter. It was Grayson Allen who continued to who continued to create more and more validation that he was the right person to at least start the games with Jaw Dylan, Kyle, and Jonas. And the numbers back it up. This season, of all five man lineups in, in, in the NBA this season, there were seven five man lineups that played 450 or more minutes together. Seven different lineups. Of those seven lineups, Jaw, 
Grayson, Dylan Kyle, and Jonas, they had a net rating of 8.7 of those seven lineups. Not only that, they had, in terms of offensive rating, they had the third best offensive rating of those seven lineups. And we're talking about Memphis's lineups compared to the likes of Philly's best lineup, Milwaukee's best lineup, Phoenix's best lineup, Utah, Utah, New Orleans, and New York. So we're comparing the Grizzlies' five-man starting lineup. That was one of only seven five uh, one of only seven five-man lineups to play 450 or more minutes together this year. We're comparing it to some pretty successful five-man lineups from other teams, and they stand out as being one of the better ones. And the big reason why is because Grayson truly did balance out the starting five when he was in the lineup. Now, it wasn't that often, or maybe as often as you'd like. He only played 50 games this year, but Grayson did his job. His shooting made the difference, and not only that, he had good stretches of defense, though he was a liability more times than not, and he also made clutch shots when he was playing during fourth quarters. So Grayson Allen this year certainly carried over the momentum from the bubble and made the most of an expanded role when he was able to play. And the thing about it is this, it's not just his ability to shoot the threes. He did average 5.5 three-point attempts per game when he was on the court. We'll get into his three-point shooting in just a second. But it wasn't just his three-point shooting where Grayson improved his game. He set new personal bests when it came to total rebounding percentage, assist percentage. He jumped up, for instance, when it came to uh, per 36-minute stats. He jumped up from 2.6 assists per 36 minutes last year in Memphis to 3.1 this year. He jumped up from averaging a half a steal per 36 minutes to 1.3 steals. And he also went up from 4.3 rebounds to 4 rebounds. So yes, it was because he basically was playing more, but you could see, though it may not have been significant outside of his ability to create steals, there was at least an incremental improvement across the board when it came to Grayson Allen's production. Now, obviously, the best asset for Grayson Allen is shooting. And it likely is best to describe him as a shooter, someone who's a lot of his value, the overwhelming majority of his value is in his shooting. But this year, there were at least stretches where Grayson Allen showed he could make a difference on the defensive side of the ball as well as in other facets when he was on the court with the Grizzlies' best talents. But the one other thing, obviously, besides improving on his overall game that Grayson Allen carried over from the bubble was his ability to shoot the three. Grayson Allen, on 274 attempts this season, shot 39.1% from three. He averaged 2.1 three-pointers made on 5.5 attempts per game. It's crazy when you think about it. This is this this past year, the 2021 season and the 1920 season, this is the only time where the Grizzlies have had back-to-back years in which they had two players on the roster average five and a half or more threes attempted per game. Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson Jr. did it last year, and then Dylan and Grayson did it this year for players that played 50 or more games. I bring that up just to show that Grayson Allen's utilization in the bubble translated in the same way to how he was utilized 
on the court. And it led to him, along with DeAnthony Melton and Desmond Bain, creating a depth of shooters for the Grizzlies to be able to feature that they had not had in quite a while. The Grizzlies had not had the depth of shooters that they had this year, perhaps even in franchise history. They did set, you know, many new franchise single-season highs when it comes to shooting the three. And Grayson himself maintained much of the success that he showed in the bubble. He didn't shoot as well as he did in the bubble, but he did show that he could make a difference when it came to shooting the three. This year, 107 threes made on 274 attempts. And the majority of them were catch and shoot. This season, he was 81 of 203 when it came to shooting catch and shoot three-point opportunities. Though he did go down a bit from his 19 to from his 2019-2020 mark of shooting 44.7%. A big reason for that boost was the bubble. But overall, Grayson basically shot 40% from three on four catch-and-shoot three-point situations per game. But a better, a more positive influence on Grayson's game is that he went from being 6 of 26 on pull-up three-point attempts last year to be in 24-67 this year. So not only did Grayson maintain his ability to be an above-average catch-and-shoot shooter on three-point opportunities, he took a significant step forward when it came to creating his own shot from three, which we all know is something the Grizzlies must consistently get better at when it comes to their production. And the big thing about it is this, is that Grayson found a lot of his success through transition, through moving around the arc. He, in my opinion, was one of the better, if not the best, movement shooters when it came to the Grizzlies' offensive schemes. You can see that from just how you know intuitive Grayson Allen is when he comes to talking about setting up his shot. The mental aspect of what Grayson does as a shooter is just as important as his touch itself or his form. His ability to read the defense is amazing. For instance, Grayson Allen, when it came to his three-point shooting, he was in the 90th percentile when it came to threes above the break, non-corner threes. 51% of his total threes came above the break. And that was in the 90th percentile in the NBA. He also was in the 81st percentiles on those above-the-break threes. And the importance of that is, is again, that balance. You've got the corner three options of Xavier Tillman, Kyle Anderson, Dylan Brooks, and Desmond Bain. But then, if defense is focused on that, you've got Grayson Allen being able to read what the defenses are doing and finding the soft spot, and he's able to convert the threes. And so that's where the difference was made with Grayson Allen's step forward this season. Not only did he take on a significantly larger role this year compared to last year because of what he did in the bubble, but he maintained his difference-making ability as a shooter and also was able to improve across the board as an overall player. Now, does that mean that going forward he's the clear starting two-guard for the Grizzlies? I don't think so. We'll get into that more in the third segment. But I do think that one thing that clearly was done was that Grayson Allen certainly established the fact 
that he went from being a fringe rotation piece in terms of what his role is in the NBA to having a clear ability to add value as a shooter in many rotations across the NBA. And a big reason for that, obviously, was because some of the big shots that he hit towards the end of the season. So whether it be as a starter, whether it be as a microwave option shooting off the bench, or whether it be as a clutch shooter, Grayson Allen performed in all those areas this year. And though you may not have much faith that he truly is a long-term starter or a long-term piece for this Grizzlies team, it's hard to deny that he did very well in his role this season when his number was called upon. But he wasn't the only one that did great. He was one of three that did it on a consistent basis. We talked about Desmond Bain. We've discussed Grayson Allen. Now we're going to talk about DeAnthony Melton, who, in my opinion, probably is had the best season overall of these three because of his impact as a two-way talent. I'm going to do a podcast reviewing the seasons of Grayson Allen and Anthony Melton. I think it may only make sense to also honor their play this season by naming them the co-Michelob Ultra Players of the Week. And it's because of not only the improvement that they both showed in filling bigger roles than I think either one of them expected to play this year due to injuries, but also the fact of how clutch they were. Think about it. You go back into January, the big shot that Grayson Allen hit for us to be able to beat the Phoenix Suns on Martin Luther King Day. You go back to when the Grizzlies were really struggling and that game when they were on the road in Tampa in early May where DeAnthony Melton hit five threes in the fourth quarter to allow for the Grizzlies to win that game. You then go to game three against the Utah Jazz. It was Grayson Allen shooting in the fourth quarter that really gave the Grizzlies a chance to win. And then the very next game in game four, it was DeAnthony Melton's shooting in the fourth quarter that really gave the Grizzlies a chance to win. Though they didn't win either game, both Melton and Grayson Allen played their part. And the reason why they played their part is because they know that their teammates are confident in them and they take joy and happiness in the roles that they play because they get enjoyment from the moment and making the most of it when they're on the court. Well, you can make the most of your moment enjoying the Grizzlies and sports in general if you enjoy it with a glass of Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. The next time that you're able to watch the Grizzlies or sports games in general that you love, make sure you enjoy it with a nice glass of Michelob Ultra. Not only is Michelob Ultra honoring our Player of the Week, or, or excuse me, it is sponsoring our Player of the Week. It also is sponsoring our coverage today on the road to the finals. Our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Tomorrow's episode of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast, we're going to continue our trend of doing these player review series in duos. Today, talking about the Anthony Melton and Grayson Allen tomorrow, we're going to focus on two young bigs. Two young bigs who coming into this season were clearly two of the most important parts of this Grizzlies future when it comes to Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr., but obviously two bigs who also saw their seasons be less than ideal due to injuries. We're going to talk about how their performances were less than ideal, how there still is plenty to hope of when it comes to their performance through the summer going into next season and where their places stand with the Grizzlies moving forward. But tomorrow we'll continue our player review series with Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. So obviously we talked about Grayson Allen, and we discussed how Grayson Allen continued what he showed in the bubble 
in terms of his emergence as a really good shooter, a really good bench piece as a shooter, and also emerge as being able to be, at times, a difference-making shooter with the trio of DeAnthony Melton and Desmond Bain. But for all that Grayson Allen did to add value to his stock in the bubble, probably the person, or the, the Grizzlies player that saw their stock drop the most in the bubble for whatever you wanted to put on it was DeAnthony Melton. It was even to the point of, was DeAnthony Melton offensive success tied to playing with Tyus Jones? Well, the thing about it is this, is that one thing that DeAnthony Melton clearly proved this season is that the bubble was not just a mirage for many players when it comes to them playing above their heads. It also was a mirage for a few when it came to doubting what ability that they had. And many of us did, including myself. There were some question marks about the Anthony Melton's offensive ability coming into this season that he absolutely put to rest with his play this season. The Anthony Melton did have plenty of injury issues, though he he played 52 games, which, you know, seems like that's about 75% of the season. It seems like he played quite a bit, which he did, but there were basically three to, three to four, six to eight game stretches during the season where he missed due to COVID, other injuries, what have you. And so that, I think, was a big reason as to why the question that was consistently asked, why is DeAnthony Melton not starting? Why is DeAnthony Melton not playing more minutes? Why is DeAnthony Melton not playing more with our starters? I think one of the reasons why is because the time that he missed, the Grizzlies, as we, ta- as we saw Zach Kleiman and Taylor Jenkins allude to, they didn't have the same ability this year off the court or, or outside of games to implement players into new roles or into new lineups like they want to before they utilize them in games. And I think that that played a role with it. The numbers certainly, as we'll see in a moment, the numbers certainly do suggest that, yes, the Anthony Melton should have played more in bigger moments with the Grizzlies' best players. But the fact that he didn't should not take away from the overall improvement and step up that DeAnthony Melton did. I think that though Kyle Anderson certainly had a very good year, Kyle Anderson, Dylan Brooks, and Jonas Valanciunas all had career years, I still would say DeAnthony Melton's stock may have risen more than any other Grizzlies player this year because of how well he shot the ball. For instance, in my opinion, DeAnthony Melton basically became, you know, a rare type of profile in the NBA. We talk about 3 and D wings, right? Well, that is, in my opinion, he's a 3 and D combo guard. But I think with DeAnthony Melton, it's a 3 and T wing. I'm not trying to coin a new phrase, but his ability to create turnovers and momentum-shifting defensive plays on the fly through steals, through blocks, and through rebounding, all at elite rates for a guard, combined with the shooting that he showed this year, leads to a very valuable two-way asset for the Grizzlies that clearly became one of the better free agent signings from this past offseason. And that's the thing that stood out about DeAnthony Melton over at Indy Cornrows. Um, you know, great, great basketball minds. Mark Schindler and Caitlin Cooper have a segment that they're doing in which they're doing their player reviews, and they're talking about one stat that define this player's year. And not to steal their thunder, but a stat that I found about DeAnthony Melton that I think encompasses the success that he had this year was this. DeAnthony Melton became the first player in NBA history 
to have both a steal and block percentage above 2.5% while also making 40% or better of his three-point attempts. Minimum uh, for for players that have played 1,000 or more minutes and attempted 200 or more three-pointers. DeAnthony Melton is the only player in NBA history to uh, to produce a 2.5 steal percentage, 2.5 block percentage, and shoot better than 40% from three. The combination of DeAnthony Melton's ability to create turnovers plus the new ability that he showed to shoot threes this year made him a very valuable asset that showed up time after time off the bench to support the Grizzlies. There were several moments, several games, where DeAnthony Melton produced the stat sheet, stuffed the stat sheet, unlike bench players we've seen do in quite a while. That's how good he was this season. In terms of his production compared to other guards, he was in the 97th percentile when it came to blocks compared to other guards. He was in the 94th percentile when it came to steals compared to other guards. But obviously, the thing that stood out about DeAnthony Melton was his shooting. And it was not just, you know, he made a few extra threes by taking shots at the same rate. No, he legitimately became a difference-making shooter for the Grizzlies when he was on the court. Consider these numbers. In terms of catch-and-shoot opportunities this season compared to last, in the 1920 season, on catch-and-shoot three-point opportunities, DeAnthony Melton was 32 of 98 for 32% on catch-and-shoot opportunities in the 1920 season. This year, 64 of 148. He attempted 150% more catch-and-shoot three-point three-point shots and improved his accuracy by 10%, going from 32% to 43.2%. With Desmond Bain, he was he was arguably the Grizzlies' best catch-and-shoot three-point option, and he consistently did it in big moments. But it's not just that. DeAnthony Melton also, in terms of pull-up three-point opportunities, in the 1920 season, he was 7 of 40 on pull-up three-pointers, good for 17.5%. This past year, in the 2021 season, he was 21 of 58 and you're talking about a 36.2% shooter on pull-up three-point opportunities. Not only did he take more pull-up shots from three, but he doubled his accuracy as well. The end numbers look like this. DeAnthony Melton went from, on 140 three-point attempts in the 1920 season, on 140 attempts that year, he made 28.6% of his threes. In the 2020-2021 season, he made 41.2% of, of 211 threes. That's the difference that the Anthony Melton improved upon. I would say, though I don't have the numbers in front of me, I would say DeAnthony Melton was clearly one of the most improved shooters in the league this year. The thing is, though, is that the year didn't end on an all-positive note, right? DeAnthony Melton, as we mentioned, had been out several times this season for extended periods, and when he came back from his last time, he, like the rest of the Grizzlies team, really fell off. If we remember, and I'll mention this more in the third segment, if we remember how well the Grizzlies played in early April when Melton and Bain and Grayson Allen were getting 
consistently frequent looks from three and making the most of it, that's when the Grizzlies were playing well. But DeAnthony Melton only played two games during that stretch, and then when he came back, he fell off like a lot of the Grizzlies players did. This season, before April 15th, in the games leading up to April 15th of this year, DeAnthony Melton shot 45.3% from three. He truly was one of the best bench three-point shooters in the league. In my opinion, his numbers as a sixth-man candidate, though he didn't play um, the, the uh, enough games, his numbers as a sixth-man candidate were right there with many of the finalists for the six-man award this year. But he shot 45.3% from three before April 15th. Apple April 15th, shot 33.3%. So he certainly did fall off. His game certainly did fall off for the second year in a row when it came to closing out the season. But he did step up when the Grizzlies needed him in the playoffs. So with DeAnthony Melton, I don't necessarily know if you have, as a matter of fact, I'd be willing to bet that you probably don't have, all of a sudden have, a player who's going to shoot 41, 42, 43% from three. I certainly think you have a confident player that probably will shoot close to 36 per, to 38% going forward, as well as a defensive difference maker every time he's on the court. And that is very valuable to have, especially when you have him for three more years, and in that third year, you don't even have to fully guarantee his deal. That's an incredibly valuable asset for this Grizzlies team to have. And though, like Grayson Allen, I don't think that he is the long-term answer to be the two-guard next to Jaw, though I think out of Bain and Grayson and Melton, Melton has the highest ceiling. I do think that Grayson in my area, in Melton, in my opinion, has the highest ceiling of those three players because of his two-way ability. But if he has the highest ceiling and he has three more years guaranteed on his contract like Bain does, does that necessarily mean that Melton is the safest bet to have the biggest role going forward in this Grizzlies future core as they get closer to being a sustainable winner? On the surface, I do feel that is the case. But there are avenues where you can make just as good of a case that he also could be a big asset in a move to upgrade the roster. Coming up, the day after I talked about Desmond Bain and his long-term role with this Grizzlies team coming forward, what does it mean for him, Allen, and Melton as the Grizzlies try to move forward? And though that trio offers a lot of value when it comes to shooting, does that mean that all three of these players have a long-term future here in Memphis? We'll discuss that in the third segment. While June is ending, that means that we are halfway through the 2021 calendar year, but that means July is fast approaching, and there are so many fun events in July if you enjoy wagering and betting on sports. You've got the NBA and NHL Finals, the MLB All-Star Game, the Olympics, both the MLB and the NBA drafts. A lot of fun things to enjoy. And if wagering, wagering and betting is part of what you enjoy as a sports fan, the one place that has you covered is betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Get all the news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs in the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device. Put in the promo code Locked On and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit BetOnline.ag today. 
Obviously, the summer is officially here and it's getting hotter out there, but that means that you're probably out and about more, but this heat could have, you know, some impact on your car, and that could lead to repairs being needed. And if you find yourself in need of car parts, the one place that can have you covered is rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is very easy to use. Within a few clicks of a button, you'll be able to find what you need. And because of how deep they are with parts, regardless of make and model or the part itself, you'll likely find what you need. Whether you're someone who needs to do your own repairs, you have someone do your repairs, or you yourself do car repairs for a living, rockauto.com is financially feasible. They have been in business for over 20 years. They know that car parts typically fall out of budget, so they try to make things as cost-friendly as possible. When you visit rockauto.com, let them know that the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts that you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, tomorrow we're going to continue our player review series by looking at the seasons of Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr., Some good, plenty of less than ideal happenings during both of their seasons, but we'll discuss how both obviously do remain integral parts of the Grizzlies' future, though it may not have been in the same fashion that many thought that they would before this past season started. We'll talk about both Brandon Clark and Sharon Jackson Jr. on Wednesday's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. So here we are. We've talked about Grayson Allen. We've talked about DeAnthony Melton, two of the players who probably, besides Jonas Dillon and Kyle Anderson, had the best step forwards in terms of their value as players in their careers this season. Both absolutely delivered as shooters. DeAnthony Melton continued his great work as a defender with the ability to to cause turnovers, his ability to rebound and and create blocks as a guard. Grayson Allen stepping up and being able to hit clutch shots while also not necessarily being in at all times a liability when he was on defense. But at the end of the day, it kind of goes back to the old saying, if you have two quarterbacks that you're playing in college football, that likely means that you don't have one that you truly trust all the time. And that's where the Grizzlies kind of find themselves. I'm not saying that Taylor Dinkins doesn't trust these players. What I am saying is, is that the Grizzlies' depth is certainly an asset. But as we saw in the playoffs, and as we know the Grizzlies are going to have to do, once it comes time to pay several of these players, and once it comes time to upgrade the roster, the trio of Bain and Allen and Melton, and at times seeing what you what you have with you know Dylan at the two, you're not going to have the same freedom to do that next year with Jaron being back in the fold. But you want the shooting to be there with Jaron because you know that the shooting is the biggest things the one of the biggest areas where the Grizzlies have to continue to grow. They have to continue to confidently feature shooting more often and in smarter ways for them to take that next step. And Melton, Allen, and Bain are probably your best three shooters after Jaron in terms of the whole package of shooting. So there's plenty of sense in keeping all three of these players on the roster. But you also want to balance out the shooting when it comes to your roster as well. And it's it's logical that the way that you do that is by utilizing one of these three players as a potential trade ship 
to shift that shooting balance to where it's not just concentrated on the two-guard position among three players who you likely can't play two of the three at the same time for an extended period of time on the court. So what do I mean by that? Well, of course you've got Desmond Bain, who will be entering the second year of his four-year rookie contract. He's not paid more than, I believe, $3 million on that contract throughout that, that, that throughout the entirety of the contract. He easily could be one of the better contracts in the NBA a year or two from now. You've got DeAnthony Melton, who's on a four-year, $35 million contract, money guaranteed for the next two years. After that, in his fourth year, the money is partially guaranteed. But the thing about it is, is that he clearly showed this year, in my opinion, that he could easily be in the six-man conversation going forward multiple times with how much of an impact he made on the court on both ends of the court. And then when it comes to Grayson Allen, you don't have that same type of long-term commitment. But I also think that one thing that you could easily say is that of these three, I feel like that Taylor Jenkins feels most comfortable and has the most trust in what Grayson Allen does because of what because of how much Grayson Allen embraces what Taylor Jenkins wants to do. Now, part of that could be because of out of these three, Grayson Allen probably has the least natural talent. But he certainly has done well by buying into what Coach Jenkins has done, and it's turned Grayson Allen into, my opinion, being a significantly higher value of a player than when the Grizzlies traded for him two years ago. So with all this being said, what stands out more? The player that Taylor Jenkins probably trusts the most or the players that have the long-term commitment? In my opinion, it's the players that have the long-term commitment. Because not only have the Grizzlies put a long-term commitment in Bain and in Melton. But another thing is, is that I feel like their upside is higher than that of Grayson Allen. For one, Grayson Allen's nearly three years older than the other two. And for the other, he's not as good of a shooter as Bain. And he certainly doesn't have the same two-way impact ability that Melton does. So I think naturally Grayson Allen becomes someone that you do Look to see if there is a market for him in terms of an incremental improvement. Bill Simmons on his podcast earlier today, several folks, you know, at uh, uh, Keith Parrish over at Fast Break Breakfast, he highlighted it. You know, but Bill Simmons was talking about Grayson Allen's the type of player who you trust to be your eighth or ninth man in the playoffs because of how well he shoots the ball and the fact that he is not afraid at all to take clutch shots, and that's exactly correct. But the thing about it is, is that the Grizzlies have those type of players up and down the roster. They've got to be able, in my opinion, to either take Grayson Allen and use him as a way in a consolidation trade to put a few of those quantity pieces into quality, maybe for a better wing or something like that. But in general, the idea of potentially shopping Grayson Allen or trading him this offseason, in my opinion, is for the Grizzlies to make a move to gain a significant talent on the wing that offers good shooting upside. In other words, I think that one of the best things that the Grizzlies can do is to use Grayson Allen as a way to either directly in a trade package to either move up in the draft or maybe for an established wing shooter in the NBA or indirectly by trading Grayson Allen in a separate deal for assets and then using those assets to either add to a deal 
to go get that significant wing talent or replenish the asset cupboard from the assets that they use to go get that wing talent. For instance, say draft night comes and the Grizzlies are sitting there at 17 and the picks happen and, it, and you know, you start getting to eight with Orlando or nine with Sacramento or 11 with Charlotte. Now, do, do those three teams potentially have interest in the Grayson Allen? Sure, I think they do. Do they have enough interest in Grayson Allen paired with the Grizzlies' 17th pick to move back to 17 with Grayson Allen so the Grizzlies can move up? I don't think so. So what the Grizzlies could do is maybe use a more attractive piece like the Utah pick or the future Golden State pick to move up to that 8th, ninth, or 11th spot. And then in a separate deal, that they get at that point they get their player, they get their wing, that, you know, we've talked about a Moses Moody, a Corey Kispert, a James Booknight, whatever have you. But they move up to get that wing. And then they take Grayson Allen, create a roster spot, create a rotation spot for that rookie, but also then go take Grayson Allen and his expiring contract and trade it for assets that can replenish the assets that they use to make the trade for the upgrade. That's how I think the Grizzlies can best utilize Grayson Allen when it comes to this offseason. Because again, like me and Keith Smith talked about, me and Joe Molinax talked about, me and Parker Fleming have talked about, and I've talked about several times, it doesn't really make sense for the Grizzlies to make their all-in or a really big move this offseason. Because if they were going to do that, that's where you start talking about Desmond Bain or DeAnthony Melton being in the deal, because I think they're going to be bigger needle movers as part of a package for a significant NBA talent than Grayson Allen would be. But in my opinion, you've got to make moves now to take short-term value pieces, pieces that are going to offer you more value in the present, like a Grayson Allen, maybe a Kyle Anderson, maybe a Tyus Jones. You take those pieces and you stay open to moving them so you can get pieces that is going to offer more future value for you. And in the case of Grayson Allen, using him either directly or indirectly as a way to help you maintain your asset covered while also acquiring, either through the draft or that's already in the NBA, acquiring a young talent with good shooting upside as a wing, you've shifted the balance of your shooting attack. You made your roster more balanced when it comes to shooting. You've got higher upside. And you've also been able to do it without having to dip too much into your asset bag. That's where I think Grayson Allen's best value is for this team. I actually won't put him being on this roster at the 70% that I've done with others like Justice and, and, and um, Tyus Jones. I do think Grayson Allen is the most sensible and, in my opinion, the most expendable trade chip for this Grizzlies team. And that's nothing against Grayson Allen. It actually is a compliment to him because I think that several teams would be interested in him because of how good of a shooter he is. And even though it may not make sense because the Grizzlies need as much shooting as possible, at the end of the day, you can only play five players on the court. And you got to make upgrades at some point. And I think that Grayson Allen sensibly is the chip to use that can allow for you to get the most value in getting an upgrade in overall and shooting talent for the future without having to go all in in a summer where that may not be the most logical move. 
So in my opinion, I think that the Grizzlies are going to have to address their rotating door at the two-guard position. It's a wonderful problem to have because all three of these players, Melton Bain and Grayson Allen, they are very good shooters, and they offer the Grizzlies more depth than they have ever had when it comes to three-point options. But at the same time, they need to be able that at all times they're focusing on doing what they can to put the best five players on the court as often as possible moving forward. And if the Grizzlies can use Grayson Allen as a way for them to better be able to say that they're doing that for both the present and the future by parting ways with him, I think it makes a lot of sense. At the end of the day, there's no disappointment if Bain and Melton and Grayson Allen are all on the roster next year. I just think that with the creative front office, I really could see Grayson Allen being in an, in a, an attractive trade chip down one avenue or another for the Grizzlies to be able to acquire that long-term significant upside value in a wing that we all feel they're looking for to add to John Jaron moving forward. Once again, speaking of Jaron, on tomorrow's episode, we will review the season of him and Brandon Clark. My name is Sean Coleman. Been a pleasure being with you here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Follow the podcast at Locked on Grizz. Myself at StatsSAC. Make sure to listen to the podcast wherever it's available. Listen, subscribe, give us a review. Let us know what you think of the show and what you would like to be discussed. We're always wanting to provide content that is relevant to our listeners' preferences. Until tomorrow, have a great day, and we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.